If you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to spend most of our time in 1 John today. We're, we're talking about uh, love. And you think about how much uh, everyone longs to be loved. It doesn't matter what, uh, what culture you, you go to. In, in every culture, you're going to find uh, more love songs than, than you can count, more stories than you can count. Think about all, uh, all the movies, uh, all the shows where, where the central theme is uh, love. E- even the Harry Potter series, and uh, spoiler alert, like it's been out for 14 years, the last book, so I don't feel bad about spoiling it, but as I was reading the Harry Potter series, it's like seven books, so long, and you get to the end, and you, you find out like, it's, it's about love. Harry was saved by his mom in this crazy wizard world, which sounds so strange to say out loud, especially at church. Um, but he's saved because of the, the love of his mother. And, and I got to the end, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it just caught me off guard that, that even that was, was going to be uh, about love. But, but our world has a hard time uh, nailing down what love is. Like the video said, uh, uh, this word is, is unclear. I remember uh, very early in marriage, I'm talking like so early, like, like honeymoon period, right? Where, where you and your spouse, uh, you are, you're just, you're floating. You're so in love and you just kind of sit there and, and you stare at each other, right? You don't, you don't need a TV or a phone or anything else. Like you just have each other. And, and sometimes Lynn's would look at me and she'd just ask, why do you love me? And it's like my whole body would like tense up and like my, my mouth would go dry and my, my tongue felt like it was swelling, like just this lumbering thing. I couldn't talk. My mind would go blank. I'm like, I should be able to answer this so easily. And, and yet I would, I, would, I would panic. And like the video said, we, we use this word love about so many different things. Like, yeah, you say you love your family. Right? Or if you're married, I love my spouse, or I love my kids. But we also say, I love sunsets. I love movies. I love, I don't know, maybe you love playing tennis or, or going hiking, or you love, you love the beach. Uh, seeing the snow today reminded me when I was a little kid, I, my neighbor, um, MG, uh, he, he would make oatmeal chocolate chip cookies for us every time we played in the snow. And I loved those warm oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. You know, maybe, maybe you love traveling or you love coffee or you love sleeping in or whatever it is. We, we use this word love in a lot of different ways. There, there's been this phrase the last few years at least, I started noticing it on signs that, that says love is love. Right? That's confusing. Like, like the, the video said, this, this unclear word is this unclear word that's not very helpful. And so often what someone says today, or what they mean when they say, I, I just want you to love me, is, hey, I want you to let me do what I want to do. Right? I want to be able to live how I want, no matter how destructive that might be to me or to others. Right? I don't want to be judged for my life choices. Well, fortunately, the Bible has a ton to say about love, and John talks about love both in his gospel and in his letter. So this is uh, from 1 John 4, 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is 
love. And, and you've probably heard that before. You knew that was somewhere in the Bible. God is love. But what does John mean when he says God is love? Like, is this the definition of love? Or um, could we just take the phrase and, and like reverse it and, and say love is God? Well, no, no, we can't. When, when John writes God is love in, in 1 John 4, if you don't know, it's, it's way back in the New Testament. When, when he writes uh, this in, in 1 John 4, he presupposes everything that's come before in Scripture, everything that God has revealed um, to us through his word about him. So, so we know all kinds of things. We know about his creative power. Right? We, we remember his response to the fall, to sin entering the world. We, we know about him choosing this, this people that was nothing and, and, and making them a nation, making them his own people. We know... We read about how holy God is, how, how, how different he is than, than anyone. We know his promises that he's made. Right? We know about the birth of, of Jesus. We know about his death, his resurrection. We know about the ascension. We know about the Holy Spirit coming after Jesus' ascension. So, so we know all these things, and obviously so much more than I mentioned there. We know all these things coming into the statement, God is love. A.W. Tozer uh, wrote that the words God is love, uh, it means that love is an essential attribute of God. And then he goes on to say this. He says, from God's other known attributes, we may learn much about his love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he's eternal, his love have, uh, can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of spotless purity because he is immense. His love is incomprehensibly vast, a bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats, confused and abashed. God's love is great. It is so great. I want to pray right now for us before we go any further. Lord, uh, I, I don't have words that are good enough to talk about your love. I thank you for John's words that describe your love. I thank you for Paul's words that describe your love. God, would you not let us just blow through this today? God, would you help us as your children to hear about your love for us, for this world God, would you help us to savor these words long after today? And God, I pray that, that your love would radically change us, Lord. Not, not just back when we first heard about you, when we first decided, but, but today and the next day and every day that you give us. God, would we be a people that, that, that walk differently, that live differently, that think differently because of your love for us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, First John uh, uh, goes on. We're going to go through verse 12, and there's, there's three things about God's love that, that, that I want us to see here, that John wants us to see here. The first is that God made his love visible through Jesus coming into the world. The second is Christ was sent so that we can live through him. And then the third is that, that we know love because Christ died for us. And then he gives us the only logical response to this love, that, that we would love one another. So verse 9, in this 
the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So he makes his love manifest. That word means that he puts it on display. It's out in the open. It's, uh, it's obvious. It's visible. So he makes it visible to us by sending his son. And it's wild to me to, to look at, at Christmas time and look at uh, American culture and see how, what a big deal Christmas is in, in mainstream American culture and, and in so many cultures around the world. And, and I know there, there are many, many things that we could complain about, uh, how, how commercialized Christmas is, um, how, how, how it has almost no focus on Jesus. We could say that and be right. But, man, there are things, right? E- even still in, in a secular culture that, that Jesus is right there. Right? We, can, we can be walking around in a store as you're Christmas shopping, and you can hear uh, rocking around the Christmas tree one minute, and then the next, this, this carol announcing the Savior's birth. It, it, it just shocks me that God has so woven into the fabric of our culture and so many cultures Christmas. Right? I don't know when the last time you watched Charlie Brown Christmas was. I can't believe that that's a thing. Right? It, 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 he's trying to retell the, the story. He's trying to get it back to Jesus. I remember growing up, like in in classes every year, like there 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 was at least one teacher that would show that to his class. To this day, there's still people that they watch Charlie Brown Christmas because that's what they they grew up watching, even though they never go to church. Right? People might miss Jesus in Christmas, or deny that Christmas has anything to do with Jesus. But man, he is right there. And everyone is searching for love. And John tells us, God who is love made love visible to us by the birth of Jesus. Praise God for that. Because if he didn't, we would never know his love. We needed him to show it to us. We needed him to reach into our world, to come into our world and make his love manifest to us. I've talked about this before, about playing hide-and-seek with really little kids. Like, I'm talking like two, three, four years old. It's not a fun game. Like, unless you don't want your kids to find you, it is just not a fun game. They don't, they can't do it yet, right? Like, like you could hide with, with like a three-year-old. You could hide in the middle of the room with a blanket over you. There's a solid chance they're not going to find you. It's unbelievable, right? Or, or I remember uh, one of my kids in particular, when, when she was really little, like, she would want me to come find her. She'd hide in a spot. i find her, right? And I had to pretend like I couldn't find her for a while. i find her, and then she wants to play again. And I go count, and I come back, and she's in the exact same spot. Like, if I didn't want my little kid to find me, they never would, right? Like, like I'm, if I hide in a deep, deep, dark closet, they're not finding me, right? I have to start making noises, like, Look in the closet, right? Otherwise, they're, they're never going to find me unless I make myself known to them. I'm not saying that God hides himself from us, but, but I am saying that we needed, we needed him to make himself known. We needed him to reveal himself, and he did that because he loves us. There's a, a general way that, that all of humanity has the opportunity to see and experience God's grace, God's love. We call that common grace. And maybe you... Uh, Maybe you don't feel all that loved by God, but, but it, is, it is possible 
for everyone to see God's grace and his love for creation. Everyone in the world experiences God's love at least on some level, right? At least by the, the good things that, that he lets us enjoy in life, right? The beauty of creation. I mean, even just the, the beauty of, of seeing snow on, on trees this morning. Um, he could have made this world bland, right? He could have made it boring, but he didn't. We get to see sunrises. Uh, we get to walk along an, an ocean shore, right? I don't know if you've ever been snorkeling, but it's incredible what is down there. The, the, the colors, the, the, the types of, of, of sea creatures that, that we can see. He's, he's given us so many good, good things. Some of you are, are foodies. Think about the food that, that you get to eat and, and, and enjoy. I'm not a foodie. Um, I can't ever be one because I can't tell you why something tastes good. Right? Like I, I can't tell you like, oh, yeah, that's that ingredient. I'm horrible at that, but I appreciate good tasting food. Uh, when I had COVID, um, uh, once I got over COVID, the, the not being able to taste lasted a long time. I, and I, I hated it. Like I, I didn't, I, you just, you take for granted that we have taste buds and, and how good it is to taste things. This last week, uh, uh, we made tacos and I love tacos. Um, I, I didn't mean to be funny, but I, yeah, I, I love tacos. Uh, and, and we're having enough with avocados because you have to, they're so good with avocados. And I'm eating my taco and, and I say, God, Thank you for making avocados, right? Like I was so excited. I'm not joking at all. I literally praise God in the middle of my meal for avocados, right? God didn't need to do that. He could have made food just, just bland, right? It could have been like a gas station that you just go, you get what you need, you take it in, and, and you're fueled up for, for the day. But no, in his, in his grace, uh, he, he made it so, so that we can enjoy things. He loves us. He, takes ple- uh, he, 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 he gives us uh, the ability to take pleasure in what he has made. And that, that's just one way we see his love. So, so that's an example of, of just generally this common grace way uh, of how we see God's love. But John isn't talking about that. No, he's, he's talking really specific. He, he's saying that, that this love that God has has been manifest. It's obvious. Though, though many people might miss it, This is special revelation in Jesus the Son coming in the flesh. God has made his love visible to us by the birth of Jesus. He's reached out to the world to show his love. God loved humanity so much that that he sent his Son. This is the story of Christmas that, that hopefully we are celebrating, that hopefully we are anticipating. Jesus coming Right, humbly born into poverty, laid down in this stinky manger. This is a story of, of God loving the world. John 3, 16 and 17, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Right? This is why we celebrate Christmas it's about God's love made visible to us. We don't have to wonder, does God love us? No, God has made it very clear just in Jesus coming in the flesh that he loves us. That the Savior has come. He's come to save the world. He's come to give life for all who would trust in him. And I don't think we can overstate how shocking God's love is. It's shocking because we do not deserve it. It's a love that we cannot earn. Uh, I, I tell my kids all the time that I love them. 
Um, I think part of it is I, I've heard about dads that, that like never say I love you to, to their kid or say it like once or twice. And my dad wasn't that way. He told me I love you all the time. But I, I say it so much to my kids that sometimes I wonder if it's become white noise to them. Like one of my kids, I'll say I love you who knows how many times a day. And almost every time the response is, okay, we're working on that. Uh, another one of my kids, when I say I love you, he, uh, he jokingly responds, as you should, Father. <laughs> right? He knows I'm his dad. That's what dads do. God reveals himself as, as Father throughout Scripture. He loves us. This is what he does. This is who he is. Of course, God loves his children, but it isn't because we've earned it. We cannot do that. Scripture is very clear. Right? You might look around at other people, your peers or, or, or people you meet in society, and you think, okay, at least I'm not as, as bad as that person. Or, or compared to them, I'm pretty good. But we cannot do enough good works to earn God's love. If you uh, were to like, inject me with truth serum and ask me, uh, do I think I'm a good person? I'm guessing I would say yes. Right? I, I think deep down, I think I'm a nice guy. Yeah, I look and I, I try to serve people. Uh, I work hard at not gossiping. I, I, don't, uh, I don't watch shows that, that, that I shouldn't watch. Like I, uh, in bad traffic, I let people in my lane. I, uh, I write really honest descriptions on OfferUp when I'm trying to sell something used out of my garage. Like I say some of that tongue in cheek, but I, I think I'm a good person. Right? And it's, it's, it's because I compare myself to other people. But no matter how good I am, and we come to Scripture and we go, oh, okay, I didn't understand. God is, is I'm nothing like God. I'm not holy. If you do a Bible read-through this next year, man, don't let Leviticus, don't stop at Leviticus. Make it all the way in and through Leviticus because it's a book that, that describes to us God's holiness. It's a book that helps us see, oh, I'm not holy. It's a book that helps us see like the ramifications of, of, of our sin and how it, it, it just it, it messes up this, this relationship with God. So, so our list of good works, like even if, even, if, even if we had like Mother Teresa's list of good works, the Bible says they're worthless. I remember in Isaiah when it says it's like they're filthy rags. And, and yeah, I, I might think I'm a good person, but, but down deep, if I'm honest, I also know how much wrong I've done. Right? I know how selfish I am every day. I know the, the lustful thoughts that I battle. I'm well aware uh, of, of some really mean things I've done to people throughout my life. Some, some ways that I've intentionally hurt people. I know horrible thoughts I've had towards others, even, even if I never acted out. I know times where I, I've, I've willingly let my anger get the best of me. I know times when I've been a gossip. Like I, I know that I've sinned against God and I've wronged people. And the Bible tells us that we're dead in our sin, physically alive but spiritually dead. Yeah, though the crazy thing is that we don't realize we're dead because it's all we know is, is this life. We have physical life, so we think that this is living. Or maybe, maybe you, you consider yourself a spiritual person, and, and you recognize that there's this, at least this spiritual component to everyone. But what you don't know without Jesus is you're spiritually dead. 
And it's so radically different, this, this life that Scripture talks about, that Jesus, in John 3, just before what we read in verses uh, 16 and 17, Jesus describes it as, as, as a person needing to be born again. Right? That's where we get that, that phrase from. Jesus told this very religious man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was, was highly educated. Right? He would have known the first five books of the Bible by memory, uh, he's a person who did the best to follow God's law. Jesus told him, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. That, that God needed to give him life. And on the one hand, that was preposterous, right? This is Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee, this Jewish leader, telling him that he didn't have life in God already. If others would have been around to hear, some of them would have either, they would have either gasped or, or some would have laughed out loud. But on the other hand, it wasn't preposterous at all. And deep down, even though Nicodemus didn't understand, I think he knew that Jesus was right. That's why he came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Nicodemus knew that Jesus had something, that, that Jesus knew something, that Jesus was something that Nicodemus needed. And, and maybe Nicodemus knew that his whole life. Right? He had tried to do everything by the book. He had tried to make life work the way that he thought it was supposed to, but there was, there was this gnawing feeling in him. Right? And sometimes it was nearly impossible to detect, and other times it was impossible to ignore. And on this night, it was the latter. He didn't know what it was in Jesus that he needed, but he could see that God was with Jesus. And I wonder if, if anyone here today or online, if you have that same feeling. Right? Maybe that's why you, you started watching or maybe why you started reading your Bible or, or coming to church. You can just sense that there's something in you that's missing. Every Christian at one point came to that realization, right? That Jesus had or really that Jesus was what they needed. Well, John tells us that what is missing is life in Christ, and the story of Scripture is God rescuing his people from sin by sending his son, Jesus, and that he will gather this people to himself. It's showing his love to the world and inviting people to respond to his great love. And this is what we celebrate. This is what we remember at Christmas, this first advent, and we look forward to the second advent. In this first advent, we're so familiar with him coming as a baby. I don't know that I'm blown away anymore, that he would come in the flesh as a helpless baby. There are different parts of my life that, that I think, oh man, that'd kind of be fun to go do that again, right? Like, uh, maybe uh, my 20s, uh, parts of my 20s, maybe, maybe college, little bits of high school, probably none, no middle school. Um, definitely one part I would never want to go back to again is being a baby. Right? Jesus let himself come in this vulnerable state of being a, a newborn. And, and I, I, can't, I can't become a baby again. But, but if I live long enough, uh, there are going to be parts of my life at, at the end that will have a lot of similarities. I'm not excited that, that someday if I do live long enough that I'll need someone to help me get dressed like I did when I was a baby. I don't want someone to have to spoon feed me and then like pick up the dribbles off my chin and get them back in my mouth. I don't, I don't look forward to the humiliation of, of needing someone to help clean me like I did when I was a baby. And what was it like for Jesus to take on flesh? It meant that he needed someone to feed him, to bathe him, to wipe his rear, to teach him how to walk. 
Just thinking about Jesus, like developmentally, he, he had to learn how to talk, right? How humiliating for, for God. How much do you have to love someone to go through all of that? Right? He, he loves us more than we understand, and it's in Christ that we can have eternal life. Verse 10 says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John is, is really good at, at making truths about God's love plain. Right? We, are, we are loved by God not because we loved him. Right? It isn't that we initiated love, so he responded by loving us. No, God loved us first. We ran from him, and he pursued us for no other reason than his love for us. It's a love that we, we cannot explain. He has no reason to love us other than his own desire to just lavish us, to immerse us in his love and to bring glory to himself by saving sinful people. John uses a big word there, propitiation. If you're like me, maybe you have to look it up like almost every time you read that in Scripture. He says that Christ was the propitiation of our sins. That means that Jesus was the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for our sins, and we what to do with us. It makes us uncomfortable. We aren't, we aren't sure how to talk about wrath with another believer, let alone someone who, who doesn't believe in Jesus yet. Right? We have no problem seeing that God is love, but, but we don't know how God's love and God's wrath fit together, how that works. And many people have said this before me, but it, it, it's, it's love that, that gives us an ability for wrath. Right? The, more, the more you love someone, the more potential you have for wrath. And that might sound horrible for a moment, but think about someone that you love. Right? Think about what you would do to protect them if they were in danger. Think about what, what you want if they were hurt by someone. Now, I'm, I'm not a fighter. I've never been in a fight my whole life. I can think of two fights I talked my, my uh, opponent out of, um, not because I was tough. I just got out of it. Um, like one punch, and I, I'm going down for sure. I'm crying for my mom if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm conscious. But if you were to threaten my wife, or my kids, good luck. Uh, like just the idea of someone doing something to Lindsay or my kids makes my blood boil, like, like right now. <laughs> Be happy you're not on the stage with me. There's no threat, and I'm just thinking about the possibility. And I, man, I'm gonna protect my family. I think about the organization uh, MAD, M Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Right? These are people that their loved one was taken away because someone got drunk, decided to drive anyway, caused this fatal accident. Man, the love of that family wants justice. Right? They are mad, and they don't want to see this ever happen again. So God's wrath, it's because of his great love. We, we do not comprehend how great his love is for us. Galatians 2.20, I love Paul's words here, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knows that, that Christ gave up his life for Paul because of his love for him. Christmas morning, you might get a present that just shocks you. 
right? Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's just the thing you need. Or, or maybe you're, you're surprised just by how thoughtful the gift is. Or, or maybe it's, it's just the cost of the gift. Like it, it's so uh, expensive and extravagant maybe that, that, that you cannot believe that someone uh, would, would get that for you. And how much more is the gift that Christ has given us? How can Jesus love us so much that he would give himself up for us? And Jesus is, is the one who absorbs, absorbs the wrath that we deserve because of our sin. Right? We should pay the price of death for sin, but God in his great love sent Jesus, the son who lived the sinless life, who takes our place on the cross, which meant taking on the wrath of God. If you doubt that God loves you, look to the cross. No one is doing that for you unless they love you with greater love than you have ever known. And God does know that we doubt his love at times. He knows that it's, it's hard for us to, to reconcile how, how this could be true, that it's hard for us to believe that, that he loves us as much as the Bible says he does. I appreciate Paul's words in the, the ministry of the, the Holy Spirit here in Romans 5, 5 and 6. It says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So the Holy Spirit, it says, poured out God's love into our hearts. And, and this word means this outpouring, right? This like dumping, this, this flood of God's love. So I picture like a, a canyon or, or a deep valley. And then all of a sudden it gets flooded. And that water just, it's just filled up with water now. And the Holy Spirit has flooded us with God's love deep in our hearts. The Holy Spirit has, has been given to remind us, right? He reminds us that we are loved by God when we trust in him, that we are his children. Uh, Ephesians 3.19, Paul's praying for believers. Um, we'll get that on the screen. Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit, though. This won't be on the screen. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God, right? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I don't even think I understand that sentence, that, that, that God's love, it, it surpasses knowledge, and, and somehow, though, he's going to help us know it, right? We, we have the Holy Spirit to help us know Christ's love because it's a love beyond what we can know, which I don't even get what that means. So what do we do? What do we do with this, this love that, that God has lavished on us? Well, fortunately, John tells us, verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God's love. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We've been told about this great love that Yahweh has for us. Right, that he, he has loved us, and since that is the case, the, the response of this, uh, uh, to this undeserved love is that we would love one another. And, and this makes sense. This is so logical to me, that Christians, knowing God's love, experiencing God's love, what they're to do is to go out and love others. And we have the greatest love in the world, the, the love that everyone is longing for, whether they know it or not. And we are not to keep it to ourselves. We're to love others the way that God loves us. 
think about this passage, there's a, a story, I, I know I've told it before, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, it was about this guy named Shane. He was in uh, India, he was in uh, Calcutta, working with uh, Mother Teresa's ministry, Specifically, he was doing ministry to street kids, and these kids are uh, poor as can be, right? Like, like we probably can't even imagine their, their, their poverty level without seeing it. Um, and they had really strict rules, right, with kids, tons of kids. These kids loved coming to them. Um, uh, they play all kinds of games with them. They, they tell them stories uh, about Jesus, hoping that, that they, these kids would someday respond to the gospel. So uh, they, they had rules that you couldn't, you couldn't give a kid a gift. Right? And you can imagine like the chaos that would ensue if, if you give one kid a gift, what would happen with all of these other kids? And, and Shane knew that rule, he followed that rule. And then one day he found out this one kid, it was his birthday. And, and Shane's just thinking about all the birthdays he had grown up, right? All, all the awesome things that, that his parents did for him, the, the, the gifts that he got. And he's going, man, this kid isn't gonna get a single thing on his birthday. I've got to get him something. So he sneaks away. And he goes and buys an ice cream cone, right? I don't know if this kid had ever had ice cream. He'd certainly seen ice cream. He knew what it was. And, and he's got it behind his back. He gets the kid to come over. He's like, ah, come here. Okay, I know it's your birthday. I'm not supposed to give you anything, but I got you a present. But you can't tell anyone. Like, no one can know, right? Can you do that? And the kid's like, oh, yeah, 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 no problem. He breaks out this ice cream cone, and the kid's eyes get huge, Right? He goes and grabs the cone. Like you, you, can, just, you, you can imagine the, the saliva developing in his mouth. He gets this cone. He turns around and yells to all the kids, we've got ice cream. And he lines all these kids up. And one at a time, they lick this ice cream cone down to nothing. Man, that is how we should live right? Like we, we are way more than ice cream, right? We have God's love. And yet sometimes we just keep it all to ourselves for any number of reasons. So here's two observations that we'll end with about God's love that I think we can take and follow. One is that he's present with us in his love. And the second is that his love is self-sacrificing. Right. John told us that, that God, uh, he, he made love visible to us, God's love visible to us, how by Jesus coming, right? He didn't fix our sin problem from afar. He's God. He could have done that, right? If he would have designed it that way, that's how he could have done it, but he didn't do that. He came to us, right? And, and even after Jesus ascends, what, what, did, he, what did he give us? the Holy Spirit, right, to indwell believers. God shows us his love by being present with us. So I wonder, how present are we in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And not, not just your closest brothers and sisters. I know we have limits, right? Like we, we can only have so many relationships that go so deep, but, but how, how present are we in the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ? And I love that, that we, can, we can call or text like so easily, Right? I, like, I, I try to text people encouraging things regularly, and it's, it's great that, that we can reach out to each other that way. Uh, but man, we've got to be with people too, not, not, just, not just that way. 
right? As helpful as Zoom or Skype was during the lockdown, man, it wasn't the same as being in, in a room with a person. Uh, I even talked to like some introverts that were like, okay, I've had enough, right? Uh, I'm, I'm done with this. Like we just, we're made to be with people and certainly God's, God's family, we're made to be with people. So are we loving other Christians by being with them? There are easy ways to do this. We can go for a walk. We can go get coffee. We can go meet somewhere for, for lunch, right? If you have little kids, like organize a, a play date or have someone over for a meal, right? Have someone into your house. Hospitality, there, there's something about hospitality that, that when we invite someone into our house, like we demonstrate great love for them. I, I would say God's love for them. And, and I know for some people, having people over is super easy. It's, it's literally your spiritual gift, the gift of hospitality. But for others of us, maybe it's intimidating, right? Maybe you feel like, like your place isn't as nice as theirs, right? So, so you, you, you kind of feel ashamed. Man, that's about you, right? That's not about loving them. Like you need to get past that. And it's okay. It's okay to have someone over and not have your place like spotless, or maybe, maybe you're stuck on like, man, I don't know what to cook. Order takeout. Get cheap pizza. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Just, just invite them over. Like, you, you don't have to be the Joanna Gaines of your neighborhood to have people over to your house. Just figure out a simple plan and, and take what might feel to some of us like a big risk and invite them over because there's, there is just something that is so loving uh, about having someone in your home. You're, you're opening up your, yourself to them. You're, you're serving them as your guest. So we demonstrate love for one another by being present. And, and the reality is sometimes that is hard, right? Loving each other is not always easy. Sometimes it's really easy, right? Sometimes it's, it's convenient with your schedule, but there are going to be times where it's not, right? Days uh, when, when you really don't want to, right? We, we can't ignore that loving one another involves self-sacrifice, right? Like Jesus laid down his life for us. We, we lay down our life as we love others, right? I'm not telling you to say yes to everything. Like, yeah, we, we do need boundaries, right? You, every one of us has limits, but does our love reflect the sacrifice uh, of Christ? Do we love others in a way that lays down our lives for our friends like Jesus told his disciples to? So that means that there will be times where the cost to love someone is greater than you want it to be, right? Maybe getting together this week sounds exhausting or, or, or the timing just isn't quite right. Or, or maybe when you get together, all they do is, is they talk about themselves the whole time. They never really even ask about you. Maybe the cost is something different, something different that I didn't imagine, but there's always a cost in loving others. Someone said the measure of love is how much it gives. And we see the measure of God's love by giving his son to us who laid down his life for us. And there are not many times that I've regretted loving someone. Actually, I can't think of any, but I assume there are some. But I cannot count the number of times I've regretted my selfishness. Verse 12, it said, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By loving one another, we show God to others. When we love other Christians, we remind them, of the God who loves them. We remind them of the Father sending the Son to be born for them. We remind them of the cross where his blood was shed for undeserving rebels. We remind them of the God who will never leave them or forsake them. We remind them of the God who is returning to gather up his people and take them home. When we love non-Christians, 
right, who do not know about God's love yet, we make him visible to them. Right? They're able to see God's love for them by our love for them, and that's what the world needs. Right? Every person needs to know about the God who loves them so much that he sent his son that first advent. They need to know that there is a love that is so great it cannot be earned. And for those who will receive God's love, there's nothing in the universe that will keep God from loving them. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us, uh, people who, who did not deserve it, who could not deserve it, Lord. God, we praise you that, that you came, Jesus, in the flesh, that, that you were born as a baby, that you grew up, that you lived lived the life that we're supposed to live but fall terribly short of, God, that you died for us on that cross, that you rose from the dead, and that you ascended to be with the Father, Lord, and that you're coming back again. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you that, that you, you help us to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Jesus, we, we do not love you as we should. But God, thank you for helping us to love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.